This week on Business Brief, we'll hear about the recent increase in youth employment across Missouri. Then we'll dive into how the recent oil production cuts could affect gas prices in the state. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alerts podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Teddy Mallorca, and I am joined by a returning guest co-host, Noah Zahn. Noah, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Glad to be back. Uh, How are you doing, Teddy? I'm doing well. Busy for sure, but uh, definitely good to be back, rested from the week off, and uh, ready to get into it. Yeah, me too. Let's get into this week's headlines. Voters in dozens of cities and counties across Missouri approved local taxes on recreational marijuana Tuesday. In mid-Missouri, voters approved 3% taxes on recreational marijuana for the city of Columbia and for Boone County. In the St. Louis area, voters approved both 3% municipal and county taxes on recreational marijuana. And in Kansas City, voters also approved local 3% taxes. These local taxes will be in addition to the state's 6% tax on recreational marijuana. Experts expect to see legal challenges in locations with both city and county taxes on marijuana. Voters in Kansas City and Springfield also approved new taxes on short-term rental services such as Airbnbs and Verbo. Kansas City residents voted to tax short-term rentals at 7.5% and to increase the hotel and motel room occupancy fee. In Springfield, residents voted to standardize the hotel and motel tax to 5% and to extend this tax to services such as Airbnb. Proponents of the taxes say they level the playing field between short-term rentals and hotels. U.S. job openings decreased in February to around 9.9 million from 10.6 million. That was the lowest level for job openings since May 2021. Healthcare and professional services saw the largest decreases in openings. This decline may be a sign that the job market is beginning to cool, which has been a goal of the Federal Reserve Bank in its fight to reduce inflation. The Environmental Protection Agency will grant more than $100 million to Missouri to upgrade drinking water infrastructure. Most of the funding for the federal program comes from the bipartisan infrastructure law. The program is part of the Biden administration's goal of making American water systems completely lead-free. Hi, this is Fred Perry, host of the CEO Roundtable. Join Mid-Missouri's most successful businesses on Wednesday, May 3rd, as we gather for the Show Me LeaderCast event in Columbia at Woodcrest Auditorium. This annual tradition brings together the world's leading authorities on leadership for a simulcast event with lots of local fun, education, and entertainment. This year, we'll hear from Dr. Andy Stanley, Dr. Henry Cloud, plus six other great speakers. General admission and group ticket pricing is now available at showmeleadercast.com. For our next story, Noah, you've been doing some reporting on a surge of youth employment in Missouri. Yes, I have. And what have you found in your reporting? Well, the Missouri Department of Labor recently published a report saying that youth employment has gone up quite a bit in the past year. Between 2021 and 2022, it went up by 45 percent, and that's for ages 14 to 15. But during that same time frame, the number of complaints related to youth employment has gone up by 250 percent. Wow, that's quite an increase on both fronts. Do we know why there's been such a surge in youth employment recently? Yeah, so I talked with Mark White about this. He's a professor of agricultural and consumer economics at the University of Illinois. And he's published some research on youth employment in Missouri. So here's a bit of our conversation. 
big question I want to ask is just what your thoughts are on why youth employment has increased so much between 21 and 22? You know, one of the big issues that we see in the labor market now is that a lot of people talk about a labor shortage. There's just not people to find. And some of this is just straight demographics, right? So the baby boom generation is leaving, you know, uh, leaving the workforce. The millennial generation is fully in the workforce. And Generation Z, which comes behind the millennial generation, is smaller than the millennial generation. So one of the reasons why it's so hard to find people is there's just fewer people to find. As a result, employers are looking to find other sources of labor. And so that gives the opportunity for young people to move into the workforce uh, for two reasons. One, because, uh, you know, a lot of the jobs that young people tend to work tend to be maybe uh, part-time jobs or low-paying jobs or you know, jobs with irregular schedules. And so if you're a full-time worker and you have a family to support, those tend not to be the kind of jobs that you want to work. And given the shortage of workers, there's a lot of other opportunities to go work in different fields. So that opens up opportunities for young people to shift in uh, into those positions. And I think employers are probably more open to young people just because they're kind of, I mean, desperate to fill those jobs. Now that said, you know, working, you know, for young people can be, I mean, there's a lot of real benefits to working for young people, you know, even if it's, you know, in jobs that aren't necessarily things that are going to provide some kind of, like, you know, what we hope like a really good wage or whatnot, but it's good to be able to make money. And so another thing I want to ask about is from the, the press release from the Department of Labor, they said that they saw youth employment increase between 2021 and 2022, 47%, but the complaints uh, related to youth employment in Missouri increased 250%. So obviously it's not proportional, those two numbers. Do you think that's anything to be concerned about? And do you have any speculation as to why there's such a, a gap between the increase in complaints and the increase in actual youth employment? I would imagine that's a little bit of a numbers game. I mean, there's always the, the danger with, with youth employment, for as many as there are a lot of benefits, there's always kind of the downside to it is that there's potential for younger people to be exploited, you know, by by maybe less than reputable employers. And I think the more you know, young people are entering the workforce, it's just that many more opportunities for uh, exploitation to be there, which are going to lead to complaints. So in your, uh, your news release with Exceed, you put that the youth employment is lower than it was a decade ago. Uh, why do you think it is that it was lower than it was a decade ago? Okay, so there's, I think there's two periods of time that we need to think about. One is the long view okay. that goes back the last 20 years or so. And then there's the shorter, kind of the shorter view of where are we relative to where we were before the, the pandemic. And so the long view is really, that goes back to, and that's youth employment, uh, not so much a rate, but in terms of just the numbers. And that's a demographic question. We do find if you look nationally, and that's kind of where we have some of these numbers, nationally, you will see that in terms of youth employment, uh, which in this case is 16 to 19, is uh, back to levels of where it was before the Great Recession. So like 2007, 2008, we're back uh, to that. You know, the last few years, though, have been kind of really disruptive as well. So if you look just let's go back to, you know, what happened in, uh, you know, in 2020, is that you see, again, nationally levels of youth employment fell like almost 40 percent, huge drop off, uh, you know, not as much as like, I think it was like 16 percent, something like that, like for all, you know, all workers, that was the drop yeah. off, close to 40 percent for, for workers age 16 to 19. 
Um, and a lot of that kind of goes back to kind of what I mentioned at the kind of the top of this interview is that like, if you think about the things that shut down during first few months of the pandemic, it, were, it was restaurants, it was retail, it was places where young people work. Now, since then, in terms of if we look kind of most recently, uh, all those, those ages that the kind of the 16 to 19, they're back and above where they were pre-pandemic right now. So in a lot of ways, like the employment in those areas have recovered. But again, that is because the places where young people tend to work have also come back. And so what's your your projection going forward? If you had a, a crystal ball to look into, uh, would you be surprised if there was another news release next year saying it went up another 47% or you think this is still a bit of that pandemic recovery I, I, you know, I think again, it's, I, I, I tend not to, I don't know if I, you know, no one has a crystal ball, but I guess if I was to, uh, if I was to guess, I'd say, you know, continued, um, maybe continued growth. For our next story, we turn to a topic important to drivers everywhere, gas prices. What's been going on with gas prices? Well, that's something we've been keeping an eye on this week. It started Sunday when international oil producers made the surprise announcement that they were cutting oil production by more than 1 million barrels a day, which is about 1% of global output. So less supply means higher prices, right? Exactly. And that was the goal of the cuts. Oil-producing countries wanted to boost the price of oil, but what exactly that means to Missourians at the gas pump is a bit more complicated. Missouri Business Alert reporter Thomas Gleason talked with Nick Chiberia with AAA to learn more. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Hey, Tommy. Pretty good. Yeah, so thanks for joining me again. Uh, my first question for you is OPEC has uh, announced that they're going to cut uh, oil production, and there's been a rise in oil prices. Uh, how might that impact gas prices in Missouri? Locally, whether it's in Missouri or, or anywhere else, crude oil prices account for about 50 to 60 percent of what drivers pay at the pump. So, um, you know, typically when we see an increase in oil prices, that will result in an increase in in uh, gas prices as well. So, you know, gas prices, you know, they've, they've been pretty volatile to start this year. So, um, you know, this is sort of what we've anticipated for, for 2023 is uh, continued volatility in the oil and gas market. And, and that's how it's really been playing out so far. And is there a sort of a timeline for how this OPEC production cut might impact Missouri? Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to, um, you know, pinpoint like, you know, if we see oil prices rise, you know, say on Monday, it's, it's hard to exactly pinpoint, you know, when that will trickle down to the state level or even the local level to impact gas prices. You know, local gas stations and, and fuel distributors, you know, they buy their fuel at a certain price, you know, they buy it at varied amounts. So, you know, it really kind of depends how much fuel they have in stock, uh, you know, and when they have to buy their next shipment of fuel, that's all going to factor into, you know, when we might see local prices go up or, or come down in some cases. So, um, you know, there's really, unfortunately, no hard timetable. But again, you know, I think it's, you know, mostly when you see trends in oil prices, whether they're trending upward or downward, uh, drivers can, you know, for the most part, expect gas prices to follow that. Gotcha. And I know that we're coming up on the Easter season and the weather's starting to warm up a little bit. We're heading in the summer. Are these factors and maybe some others playing a role in driving Missouri gas prices? Yeah, you know, certainly we've seen gasoline demand uh, nationwide, you know, reach levels that we typically will see in summer. So we know that, of course, spring break has, you know, has been wrapped up or is in full swing. Uh, and that usually means more road trips, more vacations. And, you know, we also know that uh, people are still sort of making up for lost time when it comes to road trips and vacations, uh, still kind of, you know, coming out of the pandemic. So, yeah, we know gasoline demand, even despite 
higher prices. Uh, you know, we know that gasoline demand is still high and people are still uh, traveling. And that, of course, factors into uh, fuel prices as well. Um, and what does this kind of look like in the past with um, oil prices going up and then Missouri prices? How have those two been related in, in the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, certainly, again, when you're talking about statewide averages, whether that's Missouri or anywhere else, uh, you know, any increase in oil prices is typically going to lead to increase in, in fuel prices. So, you know, that's when we saw, for example, last June, we saw oil trading for, you know, over $100 a barrel. And that's when we saw, you know, record setting prices in Missouri, record setting high gas prices in Missouri and around the country. So, you know, it's it's too early to tell if, if we'll get back to those record setting marks. It doesn't appear like we will. That was, um, you know, seemingly a very unusual circumstance last year. But again, I think, you know, looking at looking ahead to even summer travel, you know, the main message for drivers is expect prices to fluctuate, you know, maybe more so than they're typically used to. Uh, we know there's still a lot of volatility in the oil and gas market. Um, you know, namely with uh, production, uh, also, you know, the ongoing war, uh, Russian war with Ukraine, uh, you know, there's still a lot of politics and, um, you know, issues at play in that in that oil market overseas. You know, it's also important to note when we're talking about crude oil, it's a it's a global speculative market, meaning, um, you know, it's not just how what kind of oil production we have at home or what kind of oil consumption we have at home, but uh, global demand, global uh, consumption and production will impact prices we pay, you know, here in the U.S. So, um, again, it's just it's been a very volatile year, really, since the volatile time, I should say, since the start of the pandemic. Uh, and we expect that to continue throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, that's really all the questions that I had specifically you know, written out for you. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add about the situation and your thoughts that I didn't touch on or you think are important? Yeah, maybe just cost saving tips for drivers, you know, as they look ahead to summer road trips and, and, you know, road trips during the warmer months, you know, it's important to make sure you're keeping up with the regular maintenance on your vehicle, uh, getting your oils changed, tires rotated, you know, that's of course not going to only keep you on the road, but, you know, make sure you're getting the, the best fuel economy out of your vehicle, you know, that, that you can, you know, we also always recommend that uh, folks shop around for uh, the cheapest gas prices um, and, and AAA on our uh, trip to website, uh, if you're taking a road trip, you can put in your starting location and your ending location and actually see gas stations along that route uh, and their current pricing. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on and talking with me today. Yep. All right, it's now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what is your word this week? This week, Noah, my word is Kelsey Jam. All right, so I'm guessing that's got something to do with the Chiefs star, Travis Kelsey? Yes, you'd be correct. Kelsey announced he's hosting a music festival in the Kansas City area on April 28th. Musical guests include Machine Gun Kelly, Rick Ross, Loud Luxury, and Tech 9 Interesting. So does this have anything to do with the NFL draft taking place in Kansas City? This year? Indeed, it does. Kelsey is calling the festival Draft Weekend's biggest event ever. The NFL draft is taking place in Kansas City the same weekend, and thousands of NFL fans are expected in the city for that event. Kelsey's concert hopes to draw some of the same fans. All right. So, what are prices looking like for this? Well, prices will range for the festival from around $50 to $225. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Noah? All right. My word this week is Puppy Mills. Okay, so what's going on with those? So the House voted earlier this week to send a Republican-backed bill to the Senate, and it would prevent local laws banning the retail sale of pets. Some states have passed laws banning pet sales in an effort to prohibit puppy mills. 
So what would Missouri's bill do specifically? Well, the bill would prohibit pet stores from being banned in Missouri. This means that pet stores that carry dogs from irresponsible breeders, often referred to as puppy mills, would be able to continue operating. Got it. And what are opponents saying? So the opponents of the bill claim that puppy mills will still be allowed to profit under the legislation as pet stores will be able to sell dogs that come from puppy mills. And those operations are particularly prevalent in Missouri. For our closing thought today, here's Mark White on the benefits of employment for young people. For a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of kids, it would provide their first work experience. And that can be a really important thing just in terms of this is how you show up to it, you know, a job on time. This is how you dress for uh, a job. This is your first opportunity where you need to work in a team with a bunch of people who may be of different ages and different backgrounds who you don't know uh, and gain that experience. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing the music for this episode. For my co-host Noah Zahn and editors Emma Boyle, Elena Fu, Nick Knoll, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy, I'm Teddy Mallorca. This has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.